And we're live for another episode of the Black and Blue in Review. Smalls here alongside me as always is your pal Loco Pods. And finally, after a somewhat long off season, not longer than any of the other ones, but opening day is here. The game date is March 29th, 2023. And it's time to get excited. We've got some new GMs in the mix. And this off season was pretty exciting after a pretty subdued one comparatively over the last few seasons this has been a lot and there's a lot to get through and a lot to talk about as we get set for the 2023 season let's get into it let's get this party started let's do this there was so much that's happened especially just in between the last two episodes we promised it and we knew it was coming but juan trevino el canguro will be making straight bank in san mateo for the foreseeable future so much money so much money ridiculous how much he's going to be paying or how much pops and the san mateo staff will be paying one juan trevino he is the only 80 80 position player that comes to mind and he just kind of magically appeared out of mm-hmm. Dominican Republic. Cuba. Cuba. Both? One? Both? both? He's both. I'm looking yeah, at it right now. He's yeah, both. Yeah, he's both. Which is just a whole lot of baseball blood right there. Uh, guaranteed $60 million a year for 10 years. Uh, and a couple of bonuses, but only making 420000 if he wins MVP, which uh, – is pretty likely that'll probably happen at least once at least once i'd be very willing to take the over on whatever it is but man we'll talk more about him later and i mean we mentioned this a little bit the first episode where we kind of previewed this player uh an absolute god in baseball but struggles relatively speaking against <laughs> left-handed hitters i mean he's still an above average he won't do hitter. as well against right. but them. there's a whole lot of right-handed pitching in this league so yeah wouldn't be too worried about it um so he's he's going to be a force to be reckoned with throughout the league this is going to be uh fun to watch this player grow and develop going to be 25 in june so just coming into his prime and he'll be paid handsomely until he is 34 years old so much money but handsomely when did he actually sign it was like it was january wasn't it yeah it was like january 10th so not i mean still time before spring training so not like he was coming in after playing after having missed a week of spring training games so 
plenty right. of time to hopefully have settled in and only has an 878 OPS right now in spring training. Only. So, only. But so, yeah, don't expect that to uh, stay around there. I would expect okay. that. Okay. I have to face him five times. That'll be fine. Yeah, see, only only that uh, eight seventy eight. But as he settled in the last week, looking at his splits, uh, he's hitting three sixty four or slashing three sixty four, four seventy seven, six thirty six. So oh, okay. Yeah, he's a uh, he's mm. he's heating up. He's heating okay, up. that's. Mm. So we had to talk about Juan Trevino, but there are plenty of other big signings as well. Matt Chapman signing with the Las Vegas Jesters. Five years, forty-four, seventy-five million over those five years. Three guaranteed, and then two option years. Pretty good yep. signing there. I mean, Las Vegas still bolstering that offense, trying to trying to keep up with everyone else in that league. But that's a uh, that's a stacked division there in the Ken Griffey Jr. Yep. Oh yeah, and this is a good signing. Um, he brought in Sano about halfway through the season last year, and Sano put a two WAR for him in about 80 games, and that was unbelievably good. But I think everybody now in the division, let me check Orlando, but everybody else has brought in a new third baseman this year. And I think it'll be interesting to see, did Orlando also do that? Their third baseman is BJ Frick. Nope, he is not a new third baseman for them. He is. He might be not new to the team at least. But definitely going to be, I mean, Chapman will hopefully do relatively well for the Jesters, but, and had a very down season last year, only hit 186 in basically a full season. So hoping to bounce back some. Again, he's still very good defensively. So the value that he needs to kind of adjust is definitely going to be coming from the bat so kind of wait and see how that plays out and three years i mean as a 29 year old that you got guaranteed yeah i think that's a fine signing for jingles and will be interesting to see if he can do better than last year yeah and like you said chapman he's more he's going to be bottom of the middle so right around Mm -hmm. five or six you're not looking for a huge average from him but if he can like last year, he hit 186 in 150 games, still hit 26 home runs. So if you can have some guys in front of him that can get on base and hope he can uh, pop a couple, and those RBIs will go up and go from there. Yeah. yeah. If you get 25 to 28 home runs from him and if you can get his strikeouts down below 190 for the whole year, I think that'll probably – bode well for jingles and unfortunately that means it won't go well for the rest of the division but overall that's it's a good signing i don't see anything there's really nothing for me to make fun of with this one unfortunately so (laughs) jingles you need to do a little bit better i guess man well staying in the division and going right over to door county two big signings aaron judge and gary sanchez both four-year contracts both averaging right around 105 million between the yep. two 99.75 mm-hmm. over 4 years for Aaron Judge 4 years 109.4 for Gary Sanchez 
talk us through those. You've got the, uh, you've got the best insight. True. Uh, so again, offense was bad last year, like real bad. So catcher was definitely a position that I could improve. Grandal again is a, is a glove first catcher. And all of his value comes from that. Was able to actually bring him back too. So that was fun. But Sanchez brings much needed pop and is not going to be a sieve back there behind the plate. either. So that'll be good. And then I've got him for four years. So hopefully he doesn't totally give out on me in the latter half of that contract judge just trying to kind of buy high a little bit on how he's been doing totally is power all the way is going to be an average fielder out there in right and brings in just a bunch of popularity i think looking at my front office i have already almost exceeded season tickets. So I'm hoping to do that. I'm projected to do so. So that will help. But power, um, I mean, these two guys could, if they both have very good seasons, could produce more war on their own than my entire team did last year offensively. So <laughs> just, I had, I mean, I freed up the cash with moving Trout and Snell to a lesser degree and then Robbie Ray coming off the books. So that was out there to spend and spend it I did so judge really only has two years guaranteed and then he's got a team option followed by a player option so he's got two years to kind of prove that he should stay in door county but we'll kind of see what happens there Sanchez is there for all four years I'm kind of committing to him but his salary is pretty stable over those four years right and if you can have a a judge season even close to last year where you know, you're getting 45 home runs. He didn't have a lot of people in front of him, so not as many. Didn't crack that 100 RBI mark. Um, but still, having a, a guy who can hit for power and then hit close to 260, 270 right in that area is uh, very valuable, putting the ball in play, but also putting it in play with authority. Of course, yeah. And again, brought in Arcia, and hopefully he can – get on base in front of some folks. And then definitely, there's definitely plenty of people who have the ability and opportunity to get on to bit. This is now just a matter of actually executing on that. So kind of wait and see. Again, staying in the Ken Griffey Estes Park, signing Miguel Sano to a three-year $54 million deal uh, with two option years on the back end there. Uh, but like you said, everyone pretty much bringing in a new third baseman. I mean, BJ Frake only played in less than 30 games, only has 32 days of major league service time. So I would still, I'd call it a, a new third baseman. I mean, it's just bringing it from within, but still just adding some pop to that lineup that already has so much pop. Yeah. Um, and for Estes Park in general, again, they moved Harper and had a couple of other players depart. So this is definitely a big bopper coming into a home run friendly environment, um, kind of buying into it's like, well, okay, can they, I don't know if it's necessarily keep a window open, but this is probably trying to prop up their strong championship window, at least. I mean, they can probably make the playoffs for the next couple of years. But 
Snow is like, okay, yeah, this is replacing the offense that they lost from Harper and hopefully not hurting them too big. And then whether or not he stays on for the next two years, I don't know. But definitely a good signing. And Snow has had some big demands these last couple of years. And I don't know if he's, I mean, again, he put up two war in half a season last year. So I guess like, okay, that warrants it. But the way his ratings look at times, it's just like, man, I don't, I can't justify putting that money there, but he continues to be worth it. So hopefully this year he proves me right and doesn't perform as well, but kind of wait and see. Seamless transition there talking about Bryce Harper, get into some, a couple of big trades that have two themes shared or have a theme shared. It's big hitting talent, top tier talent from the diamond league coming over into the Pete Rose division and not to my team. Uh, Starting with Bryce Harper, Estes Park starting to think a little bit more about their farm after, well, quote right right from the source just uh sending it away and uh kind of neglecting it and just taking flyers on late round picks hoping some of them develop but getting some top tier talent in return for bryce harper uh billy trum is the obviously the the big name in this deal the i believe let me double check this before i hit you with wrong facts yeah Number one overall pick in the 2022 player draft. Uh, Starting pitcher who looks very promising, but again, 19 years old, a lot of risk involved there. So much time for things to go right or wrong. Exactly. But right now he's at a 79 potential. That stamina is pretty insane for a 19-year-old kid. So high. And then uh, a chance to... To bump those stats up and could be interesting see how he develops and see if that Harper trade pays off. In addition, the Elderhorns get Josh Schuler, who is already uh, a 70-gap power. So if that contact and home run power develops along, he could be uh, someone that really enjoys playing in – Estes Park, if when he makes it, if he makes it to the majors, he's developing pretty well. Uh, he's just 21 right now, but has been improving pretty much year over year. Looking at his scouting page, has has come a long way and pretty much steadily developing. So, a little less risk involved with that player, and then on the back end. What I am going to guess is kind of a, a flyer just on a, a type of player that I know Estes Park likes, a ground ball pitcher um, with good peripherals and good uh, pitches. Uh, I mean, more than four pitches is something that I know Estes Park is always looking at. Um, control is really the only thing holding him back uh, potential-wise, but still a pretty good haul for one Bruce Hooper. Of course, yeah. This is a great trade for Estes Park again. One year on Harper's deal left, so was not keen on re-signing him. I did not really want to splash the Trevino light money, so definitely a good move on their part. Um, 
it's nice not to have Harper in the division anymore. But yeah, I'll, I mean, Trum's got all the potential in the world. Um, whether or not he should have been only starting three of the 15 games that he did in a lower A ball at, in Minnesota's system, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, the control needs to develop a little bit, probably. Um, 8.7K per nine, but 4.8 walks per nine. Not a great debut in professional baseball, but like you said, 19 years old. Lots of time. And he was 18 that entire season. Right. So lots of time for him to develop there. Schuler is pretty much just lacking in the defense. And at 21 years old, he's got, again, all the time in the world to kind of develop. And Jeff will probably keep a good eye on him and how he develops in terms of kind of making sure he gets playing time in the different positions. He's got a definitively above average arm. So he probably will stay in right field unless Mm -hmm. he has some kind of injury. So I would expect him to be there. Yeah. And then Rosenberg is yeah. Four pitches all above average. The control is the only thing that is really below average. A good, again, 19 years old, plenty of time for him to develop in some sort of way. And again, this guy was around, this is the second round pick in the same draft as Trump that Minnesota made. So two pretty, I guess the draft class wasn't great anyway, but it was still a very good pick. And I think this is a very good trade for the elder horns. So it disappoints me a little bit, but it also gets Harper out of my division and throws him squarely into yours. So you're going to have to deal with him for, far more games and you're not excited about that at all i would imagine not really not really so speaking of not having any fun with new bats in the pete rose division for me or scotty rafael devers is making his way to the pete rose division from assassin city to gotham two pretty like menacing team names that they're going between got the Mm -hmm. assassin city to gotham seems like a comic crossover but here we go another really really good player that i get to see way too often for my liking compared to how i've seen them over the last few seasons but quite the haul again as you would expect for a player like Devers. Um, what the biggest piece is this uh, Kyder Montero, who's a relief pitcher, but a power pitcher whose fastball is already developed. So it's a you know high 90s fastball and developing that curveball still. Looking promising that all things will go well for this Montero character. Um, If that curveball gets all the way up to an 80, uh, you have a pretty lethal pitcher there as, as long as that can control can kind of go up there. Otherwise you got a guy with lethal, lethal stuff that has no idea where it's going. So he's kind of the main piece in this Devers deal along with it is Randy Schlittler, Schilter, Schilter. Oh, Trying to avoid saying a bad word, Schittler. It's not Schittler, is it? It's like it's like Schlittler. Schlittler. Yeah. Schlittler. There's, there's an L after the 
ch but before the i that's a that's like something. schlitz it's like an old beer all right randy <laughs> <laughs> randy randy um who is kind of a prototypical dh is what we're looking at here um We'll put the ball mm-hmm. in play, but we'll swing at just about everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but could have good contact. Gap power's already at a 65-65, and he's only 19 years old. But that he's going to, he was picked sixth overall in the 2022 draft. So a lot of moving pieces from the 2022 draft for these two big players. And then out of the international uh, roster. You've got Jorge Barrientos, who's a 16-year-old with some potential. The 20, he's a 2040, but he, the ratings look a little bit better than that. Yeah, those ratings look nice. He does take a hit in speed. Um, not, a, not a fast... 16 year old by any means were you the fastest you were ever going to be when you were 16 uh i think so i, I peaked very oh, okay. early in my That's athletic fair. career um but yeah i think like you're saying 16 years old still a lot of time to develop some of those peripheral stats like speed could go up a little bit uh, which would help his outfield range he's got a cannon so he'd fit right in in right field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those positional ratings are only going to go up. Mm-hmm. And he's a pretty big. And he got a nice round pick. He's sixteen. He's six one, one seventy five. My gosh! So big guy. He's a big boy. Could explain the speed a little bit. <laughs> that, would, that would explain the speed. Got to unhitch the trailer. But could develop it'll be interesting to watch because of trading international complex players they have to come out of the complex in this case almost three and a half years early so you have to be careful with him in low a as you're trying to keep him from being a complete bust because he's just moving up too quickly, but promising. It's a risk that X was willing to take in this deal for Devers and Gotham getting what they pay for. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Devers again, very similar to Harper last year of his contract, uh, probably pretty likely that he will go to free agency will not be arbitration eligible again. So Gotham will probably be trying to look to extend him if possible. Kind of wait and see how that goes. But I mean, comparing Devers and Harper, not quite sure who I'd rather have. Um, like strictly from an overall perspective, if this, well, what happened here? Also, did not realize that Harper is having 10% of his contract retained but that's just for this year. But Harper is older and is currently rated better, but 
Um, Two different styles of plays for sure. What you're kind of seeing. I mean, Harper's a guy who can really pick out a pitch and then drive it um, with that I rating being an 80, which is uh, incredible for when you want a slugger, slugger like that. Devers swinging at more stuff, but has better contact ratings and that gap power means he's putting the ball in play and doing it with authority, a lot of doubles and still, I mean, he's hidden 30 plus home runs. Oh so yeah. You're not taking that much dip in power and he's going to typically, I mean, he's had a, what we'll call a down year because he was only a 4.8 war and hit only 280 and only slugged 517. Uh, still hit 39 home runs, just struck out a lot more than he normally does. But still, I mean, this is this is another very good trade. I think this is a good trade for both teams. So. Mm-hmm. Again, just for one year of Devers to be guaranteed. So Assassin City is getting back a little less. But yeah, Montero is probably going to be a very good relief pitcher. Yeah, if you look at his scouting, he's actually kind of he's another example of yeah, he's. I don't know, X may have spent a decent amount of money in his uh, player development budget. But yeah, like his potential jumped up at least 20-something from when he was initially drafted in the inaugural draft. And yeah, Schlittler is going to be probably a pretty good first baseman um, if you give him the opportunity to improve stuff. But if nothing else, yeah, he's he's going to be a DH and can hopefully hit pretty well. So... Yeah, taking a flyer a little bit with Barrientos and being 16 years old again. He'll be Rule 5 eligible before he's 22 years old. So wait and see on that. Ninth round draft pick is just kind of a toss-in kind of thing. But a very good trade, and unfortunately for you, another good hitter, fortunately, on a different team, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how the pitching in this division handles these kinds of hitters. Because there was a lot of moves for offense, um, and you know a couple, couple big name pitchers were flying around, but none of them ended up in the Pete Rose division. Meanwhile, you got a couple of big name bats that are going to be trying to tear the PL apart after being just absolute mayhem creators. Yeah, makes you wonder whether or not you're going to see any more like player management in terms of, oh, hey, this guy comes up, so we're going to approach him differently than the rest of the team maybe. But that's up for each of the individual GMs to decide and leaves a lot of potential out there for some high-octane offense for sure. Absolutely. All right, now we welcome on Pops out of San Mateo. Welcome on to the Black and Blue interview. Great to have you on here. Thanks for having me. I think we have to address the elephant in the room. Um, where is this money tree in San Mateo that you're using to pay Trevino? And is it available and does it seed? Can you plant one in Reno as well? Uh, well, I killed it to get Trevino. So unfortunately, I cannot plant one in Reno. Um, yeah, it was, it was just a, kind of a couple years of planning of like, hey, let's get these guys up. Uh, and in, you know, one to two years, be smart about free agents, right? And then in one to two years, either 
I, I wouldn't even say either. The expectation was sign one or two really good players, right? Maybe three and then go from there. And then Trevino showed up and kind of transitioned that from, Hey, let's just go after Trevino, you know, mm-hmm. but if Trevino hadn't have shown up, I probably would have gone after sale. I'm a bigger on sale than Kluber and then probably judge. And I don't know, somebody else, maybe I probably would have gone after Canley and maybe Miller. I don't, you know what I mean? Like I, I would have found a way to spend the money is the point. Right. So then what, was the importance of signing Trevino and what does that mean for the future of the sea lions? Since obviously that the plan changed a little bit when this Cuban God of baseball, as Jeff has been referring to Trevino as uh, materialized in this game. Um, I think it really kind of pushed up our true all in a full year. Right. Cause I mean, I would have spent, probably 20 million less total in the off season, you know? Um, but since he showed up, I did a lot of moving around, right? Like I think I had, I was looking at that off season report or something like that. And 42 players that were in my system last year are no longer in the system. Trades, cuts, you know, whatever. Um, like I traded for Carlos Martinez, uh, Garrett Cole, uh, I sold a whole bunch of draft picks, um, you know, so it's, it, it's just moved up our all in window a full year. Right. Like, um, and it was only possible because I signed guys like Tatis and Bichette and Walner. Those guys are all locked up. Right. And then the other guys that aren't locked up haven't even hit the first year of arbitration yet. Right. So it's, it's just, it's a, it's, I don't, I don't anticipate making many moves in free agency next year. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> totally understandable. Yeah. With the projected payroll going up to 200 million, it's like, mm, it might not happen. Yeah. But. I think that'll change. I think there's a couple guys that either the game hasn't fully recognized that they won't, I don't know. I have to look at it, but I don't, yeah. I don't you've got team options to decline yeah. and stuff. I mean, so, but it's also, it really, um, and I know the game is still counting Trevino as the number one prospect in the league. So it thinks I still have a really good farm system, but I don't, you know, like I have Kate Dowdy, Mike Vassell and a few like solid people. Right. But I don't have any more, Hey, these are really good guys come trade for them kind of guys left. Those have all pretty much been moved. Yeah. Uh, just on your top prospects page, a lot of them, are guys that are probably going to be on the major league roster some point soon. You have a lot of FCF ready prospects ready to ready to go. So with that in mind, you're coming off of your best season have been improving steadily since the very first year. Mm-hmm. What areas are you, were you looking to improve this off season? Were you able to do that? Well, initially, like I said, I was kind of more planning on the going the pitching route. Um, I mean, I'm not like the best offensive team, but I'm not the worst, right? So I was just kind of looking to improve the pitching. Um, I think the hope, obviously, is that Trevino gives a pretty decent boost to that offense. You know, it should, in theory, obviously, we have to wait and see, right? But in theory, he should be able to be plugged right into the three or four hole against righties 
maybe drop him down six and seven against lefties. You know, I mean, I know the the splits are extreme, but he's still average to above average against lefties. You know, it's not like he's a you have to take him out of the lineup kind of platoon. You know, right. Um. So, a, a, an unexpected offensive boost, I think. Uh, it, hopefully, but I really do think I shirt up. Uh. Um the the whole pitching staff I guess you could say right with Cole and Martinez I got some real big innings eaters there so I can kind of protect Lodolo if I want to and Vival who Vival is like next to Trevino is like my shining star right like I know Rushman's good I know Bichette and Tatis but Vival is already like if you're just going pure rating standpoint, right, he's already at like, I think 65 or 66 out of 80 and he's only 22 or 23. So there's a real chance that he actually fully develops, you know? So, um, and I think uh, putting, getting Canley is a big get for my bullpen, right? Like Francis Martez did a really good job as a closer last year for the first time. So I can put Canley kind of in that stopper role, that high leverage situation and then let, Oh, good luck with that. <laughs> we can try it, right? And if he doesn't work, Keon Kella did a really good job in that role last season, so I can just switch them and have uh, um, Conley do some – Canley, how the hell you say his name? You know, do some more middle relief type of work. But, you know, I think I've given myself more options, right? Like, And I think that's kind of been one of the biggest jokes with my team when I get into the playoffs is that for whatever reason, the game doesn't seem to do what I want it to do with my pitching staff. (laughs) So if it's going to go rogue on the pitching staff, I might as well get better pitchers in there in general. Right. Right. Help, help when that goes rogue that, okay, well, if you're going to go rogue, here are, here are more options that won't hurt as much. Right. And I mean, I've tried to be a little bit more involved with, um, using those secondary roles in the bullpen, right? Like uh, set up at this inning less and then the second inning or the second option, maybe the closer or using that avoid high leverage, the specialist, those kind of things, trying to take as many of the variables out as I possibly can. And then if they don't perform, they don't perform. What are you going to do? Right. It's a sim. I can't control what they're going to do, but if I put them in the best position, the game does what I want it to do, then whatever happens, happens. So we talk, go ahead, Pabs. Yeah. It's like, yeah, just, looking at all of that it's like yep you've yeah it's like looking at your pitching it's like oh yeah you've got a very good looking pitching staff and makes me tiny bit jealous but that's okay um i mean i think to kind of interrupt like like san diego did has a really good pitching staff too right and it's like okay well you know he's coming i feel like last season was a fluke for his team you know and he'll be better. I won't finish. Well, I think it's like six or seven, maybe eight games ahead of him. I feel like it'd be a much closer race. And then add in that he traded for Trout and then add in that it kind of became public knowledge that Harper wanted 40 something million dollars. It's like, okay, yeah, you better go make a move because people are coming for you and the price is just going to get more expensive no matter where you look. Yeah, for sure. So again, Trevino throws a wrinkle in terms of everything. But, yeah, your team is – it's going – I think it's going to be very good, and it'll be interesting to see how much closer San Diego can get. And if you've – it's very much like, okay, roll a die, and if it falls poorly for you, yeah, you could end up dropping to second or third if you've got something go wrong. But 
if stuff every if everything falls right, this team could be very, very good and threatening for the Platinum League Championship. I mean, I would. I know we just released those uh, preseason predictions kind of thing. I, I mean, take who you want, me or San Diego. I'd be really shocked if we both didn't make the playoffs. Right, one is the division winner, and the other taking the wild card. I mean, that's. I'm sorry, other divisions in in the platinum league, but uh, don't apologize. Kind of what I think. Yeah, I think no. that's pretty much the consensus on the black and blue and review that it'll be one of those two teams coming out on top in the Tom Seaver division, and then whoever doesn't is making the wild card. I don't think that's a that's a controversial opinion no. so it's not, it's not saying that minnesota is going to resign bryce harper right <laughs> that was uh kind of funny so talking about some of these different teams i mean you obviously have a very exciting team san diego has a good team and it'll be fun to watch you two duke it out what team are you most excited to watch this year that's not going to be in your division? So can't say San Diego, but you can go throughout the whole league. doesn't have to be just the Platinum League. Um, be interesting to see if uh, the beef eaters can kind of bounce back. I think it'll be interesting to see how many of those 130 wins did Jeff give away? <laughs> you know, is he now a, 110 win team you know is something still stupid or does he does he kind of come back even more to the pack I, I feel like I feel like he's still probably a hundred plus win team um I look I I don't think it's a secret that I disagree with the trade that the mayhem made so I'm very interested to see and how that works out right like I, I want to watch them and see if they're uh, whatever system they're using, whatever they're doing, if it, if it works, right? Like, because I don't know. It's just, it's an interesting one to me. And I think that's kind of the beauty of the league. It's like, you've got 24, 25 or 26, depending on how you really want to count it, different opinions on how to run an organization and how you're going to try to structure your teams. So you're seeing, Jingles with all the grief that he gives him. He's got a bullpen that is unfortunately pretty good most of the time. Right. And you've got X and you to a lesser extent, but both of you have brought in young talent and you're now locking it down for a long time and how that does moving forward. But yeah, the mayhem definitely made a move that is newer to see in this league. So does that pay off for them in any way? But I'm, far from an OTP expert. So it very well, they, ugh, excuse me, very well may work. I just, obviously in my opinion, it won't. And if it does, I'll be the first one to say, Hey, good job guys. You got me great move. You know, just looks like a lot. It's a big cost, but yeah. Well, I think that obviously got magnified when Harper was like, Nope, don't want to resign. And it'll be interesting to see if he actually, comes around to talking with the team. Yeah, that that would be fun to watch too. And then how much does uh, Jeff 
bid up Harper's price if he goes to free agency and the mayhem try to re-sign him that way. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely a thing, right? Like it makes sense for people to do that, you know, for the Trevinos or the Harpers or whoever, whatever big name comes out next, right? Like if he's not going to be on my team, I want to make whoever gets him pay as much as possible. Just as long as you're ready for them to not talk to you for three months and then come back and be like, I accept your offer and go, Oh, how much did I offer him again? And then realize you're paying a 52 overall pitcher for six years, eighteen and a half million dollars. <laughs> or are you the one that got node? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> See, I mean if he's a league average or puts like four war up, it's like, well, it's not horrible. It's more money than you would have liked to spend, but he hasn't done that yet either. So who knows? Not quite. I feel like there's a little bit of the same thing that kind of happens as fans in real life, right? Like, Oh, this pitcher or that player is worth so much money. But when you look at the economics of the league, prices are always going to go up. Right. And like one war, I have no idea. Somebody could probably do the calculations here, but if one war in MLB is worth, what is it, like eight and a half, nine million, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. $17 million contracts, a two war player and a two war player is not, most fans will say, Oh, that's nothing special. Right. Mm-hmm. So extrapolate that out to a five or six war player and you're up in those 40, $50 million contracts. Oh yeah. It's like in fairness, like especially those first couple of years that I had trout, it's like, well, 40 million for six war is probably a fine price to be paying, but. I mean, Hey, look, I've, I've gone all in and obviously essentially the goal is within the next four to five years win a win a championship and if I don't then I'll, I'll consider this a complete failure of a signing you know yeah barring any kind of like extenuating circumstances yeah right. the team just underperforms yeah that's too bad and it may not have been great if he ends up getting hurt or something like that happens like well yeah there's nothing you, you can do about that shake your hand at the game a little bit in frustration but it's like yeah fine if you want yeah. to blow out his UCL you can do that I guess I'm hedging my bets that he's safe because he's a position player. And this, at least in the FCF, it seems like the game hates we kill pitchers, pitchers more. Yeah. <laughs> pitchers so bad. I mean, Strasburg's out for the season. Ozuna's out for the season. I don't know if whoever has Ozuna has seen that yet or not. Uh, the Mermax pitcher that I just killed today is out for the season, right? Like, we've got three pretty good pitchers already done for the season, and opening day hasn't even happened yet. The bloodbath. It's wonderful. It's terrible. It's the same thing. Yeah. When we mentioned it earlier and we talked about playoffs just being absolutely wacky in this game, it's a pretty good consensus that we think San Mateo is going to be back in the playoffs. What's going to be different about this team now that you've had this whole off season to kind of, like you say, go all in. Um, what's different about your team that you think will help you actually uh, get to the title game this season? Um, the team itself for the overwhelming most part of it, right? Like the offense is almost entirely the same with the exception of Trevino. I, I actually think all the starters 
with the exception of Trevino are the same. But what that also does is that makes Christian Robinson, who's actually a pretty good player in his own right, is now my fourth outfielder. So it kind of deepens it there. Um, I have uh, Calhoun for a whole season, so I can really, if I want to, I can absolutely platoon him and Springer, or I can maybe ride the hot, hot bat there. This is the DH. Uh, and again, I feel like my bullpen is a little bit better um, top to bottom, giving me more flexibility. And one thing that I'm trying to do this season, it taught me like, so because I spent all the money, right? I'm trying to maximize every single dollar. And I was in talks to trade away Chance Adams, but I realized Chance Adams is extremely popular locally. So I was like, all right, you know what? I'm just gonna keep him. Cause I don't wanna take the hit in fan interest. And what that's doing is that's put Daniel Lynch, who is normally a starter. And despite what, you know, to get away from the overall ratings, only a 40 out of 48, but he does pretty solidly. If you look at his numbers, he's been a pretty solid pitcher. It moves him into the long relief role. And I'm going to try to at least start the year as a six-man rotation. So what's different? In theory, hopefully everybody in the bullpen pitches less innings. So when that playoff time comes and we're really going matchup heavy, hopefully the arms will be fresher and I don't have a Will Smith coming in for one pitch and blowing a save or something like that. You know, that's, that's, the, that's the thought process. Whether it plays out or not, who the hell knows? <laughs> oh, for sure. Well, like looking at that, okay, again, your current in-game rotation has Garrett Cole as a fourth starter. And looking at how playoffs shape out, it's probably you might ride three or four starters. So that could mean moving two of like Cole, Vaval, and Adams possibly into the bullpen as well. And they can flex in and out as needed for your different games too. So there's lots of opportunities for different things too come yeah. to fruition in the playoffs so and again, I'll, I'll have Lodolo up for the whole year too like he was good last season when he I brought him up late like in September just in time to be playoff eligible I think he went three and0 in the playoffs so yeah I'm I might be a little heavy on the starting pitching side but I think it gives me just more options throughout the season and then again come playoff time like you just said like I think having somebody like Garrett Cole being able to come out of the bullpen is an advantage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Lodolo went 17 innings, three starts, 1.59 ERA, only one win, but okay, no home runs. Decent amount of walks, but yeah, he's, he's going to be good. And I pity the folks who do have to play him. My only concern with him is he is 25, so I'm not entirely sure if that means he's completely done or if this is like his last year to kind of develop, you know? Because he still has some room to grow. It's just whether or not he actually can finish off those last few points or not, you know? Finish out the – I think – I don't know. I'm Again, I'm, I'm uploading – files so i can't look at the game. <laughs> yeah he's, he's his control has some room to still to develop yeah. um well like and i've looked at like again grayson log is kind of my prototypical like development miracle and it's like he's kept improving a little bit in these last couple of seasons and he's 28 now so i think depending on the environment that he's in and how he performs there's 
opportunities for him to continue to improve. But yeah. if if Lodolo doesn't, I'm perfectly happy where he is now. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, icing on the cake if we can get even better. Yeah, it's like that. The game is saying there's definitely a chance for him to still do so. So right. I think if he doesn't, he becomes one of those, you know, where we talk about all the time when, and I mean, I was new too, right? So I'm asking all the questions that baseball and Bob and some of the, like I asked all these questions. If he doesn't improve, I think it's one of those cases where you look at the ratings and you're like, okay, game, why isn't like, if you look at his actual pitch ratings and stuff, why isn't he overall rated higher or whatever? And he's going to perform better than what you may think. Whereas some people, you know, with higher overall ratings have like a bad build or whatever. And mm-hmm. Yeah. The performance may not match the single number, but the other ratings will help it make a lot more sense on how he does. Mm-hmm. I hope nobody looked at uh, Trevino's spring training, by the way, it wasn't all that great. <laughs> we but talked about it a little bit. <laughs> He's still playing every damn day, dang it. <laughs> 60 million to go put him in triple A start of the year. He also, we're looking, the overall stats weren't great, but the last week he had been hitting 330 yep. with OPS above 1,000. So it was just a slow start to spring training. That's all. Yeah, I saw that too. He was, I think he ended it before, at like 220, 210, somewhere in there. 205, but his on-base percentage is really good, and he started kind of hitting a little bit at the end, so we'll see. We will see, and we'll all see just how this year is going to shake out with opening day on Sunday. Pops, thanks again for joining us, talking Trevino, talking this upcoming season. Good luck to the Sea Lions out there in San Mateo, and Good luck to everyone this season. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So that was Pops of the San Mateo Sea Lions. Looking forward to another big season here from the Sea Lions in a pretty solid division there in the Tom Seaver Platinum League. So let's get into some off-season predictions. Opening day is Sunday. Everyone's excited, and there's a lot of new storylines that we're going to be following along here this year. Mm -hmm. We'll start in the Diamond League where – This league. Okay. Um, (laughs) We'll start in the Diamond League where I am going to give the floor to our man Loco Pobs because he's got a little more experience with the teams there being a GM in the DL. Take it away. Thanks, Scotty. I appreciate it. Again, Diamond League, best league. But, yeah, let's just run from top to, top to bottom in terms of the divisions. Again, we'll start with the Warren Spawn division. First and foremost, welcome to Baseball. And he has moved the New York Islanders from New York to Milwaukee. They are now the Milwaukee Bovines. I'm very happy to see another team in the Midwest. Even better to see another team in Wisconsin. And I get more of a local rival, especially in the Diamond League. Again, I've got the Minnesota Mayhem over there in the Pete Rose Division in the Platinum League, but they're over in Minnesota. They're in the other league. It doesn't really matter that much. So local rival is cool to have. Um, Milwaukee's got a lot of stuff to do. They've got 
one pretty good player in Teriyuki Suzuki, but outside of that, it's a good opportunity for baseball to come in and try to rebuild the team. I don't expect them to be competing for anything other than possibly the first pick overall. Kind of wait and see how that goes. Um, otherwise, you've got three other teams are Assassin City, Nashville, and Manchester. Again, Assassin City moved multiple good players this offseason. They traded Devers. They had their relief pitcher Miller go off in the free agency to Las Vegas. We'll talk about that later. But they're, they've always been good, and he's going to be bringing in probably some very good young player that was going to torment the league for another 10 years. But going to be very good again and probably threatening to be near the top of the Diamond League. Nashville didn't really do much this offseason. Um, they might be okay. I think their offense is probably going to be a little bit better than their pitching, just having glanced at who they have and how stuff kind of played out last year. So they just didn't do much. Pretty uneventful. They may just not have had much money to do anything with, but they also didn't lose much. So it's kind of maybe they can build on it, but not high hopes for Nashville this season. So we'll kind of see what happens. Finally, Manchester, I think they lost more than they gained. Um, And George could be bringing in some folks from the minors to improve some stuff, but there were some big losses that they experienced. Um, They were one of the teams with, they may have been the team that lost the most war, like in the grand scheme of teams. You can like look at this in the off season summary by team. Yeah. Manchester lost 15 war. So that's a lot. Again, part of it was they traded Orlando Arcia away. I benefited from that. I'm very happy about it. But, yeah, Arcia gone, Debo gone, and also gone on a trade. Goldschmidt gone in another trade. Bumgarner again for all of his decreases and such. He's still at 2.3 war, so that's lost as well. So waiting to see kind of what Manchester does. I don't expect them to take a step forward, really. So, therefore, like my pick for the Warren Spawn division is going to be Assassin City. Um, Partially because, like, well, there isn't anybody else I expect to do better. And Assassin City had the second most war loss, but it's X, and I expect X to be doing something that will make his team good. But anyway, super looking... controversial pick there. Oh, I know. I mean, it's like <laughs> everybody and their mother is just calling for my head, but that's okay. Um, yeah, I'm excited. I mean, it's good to get somebody into that expansion team in the Warren Spawn division, getting baseball in here. He's been super duper active so far. Really happy to have him here. Miss him not being in the Peregrines clubhouse anymore, but good to have him here. It's going to be exciting and definitely a fan of the logo and the teams that he is putting together there. Cool to see. Anyway, I guess I can move forward to the, Ricky Henderson division. This division is one that, sadly, I just don't pay as much attention to outside of California because California has been a thorn in my side and kind of the big brother to my team outside of Estes Park. So I had to kind of dig through some stuff overall. Again, the four teams here are California Kooks, Helsingborg Skavaders, Murmansk, Murpeople, and the, I always forget who the fourth team is, shame on me. Sicily Cosa Nostra. So sorry, guys. I forget that Sicily is in the division sometimes, but 
they're going to be up and coming. Sicily is going to be not necessarily competing for the division, but you see some of those extensions that they're putting out there, and this team is probably going to be close to competing. 2025 might be a season to kind of keep an eye out for. 2024, they'll probably be trying to go for the wild card. But 2023 is a good opportunity for them to kind of gauge what they currently have and see if this young core that they have is going to be strong enough to kind of carry them through. Plus it gives Leto another season to develop and rise through the ranks. Murmansk, again, wildcard team, one of the first two expansion teams to make the playoffs. This was really exciting to see. Maybe taking a small step back in terms of stuff that they lost. Um, Looking through their team, I think their pitching might need a little bit more, but you could also have somebody step up that you don't expect to, or they have somebody coming out of the minor league system into the FCF spotlight and be able to kind of put on a bit of a show. But happy to see Murmansk didn't really have much lost. Interesting to see if they can try to compete for the wild card again this year. Helsingborg is an interesting dilemma. Again, they had a total of five players come in or out between like through the whole offseason. Again, Kluber left in free agency. Otherwise, not really anybody of note in or out. So don't expect them to do that well. Just they were 71 and 91 last year and lost a pretty good pitcher. So unless they've got someone coming up from the minor league system, which I don't think they do, they're probably going to be right around that point again this year. And that leaves California. And they've improved a little bit, 2.7 more in overall. Um, they, they pick up a little bit of a gain from dropping Matt Chapman, actually. But lost Gary Sanchez as well, but brought in Buster Posey to replace Sanchez. Brought in Alec Thomas in a trade for an outfielder. Brought in a different third baseman as well. So a lot of new faces in California, but I think the Cougs will probably... Wins division. I don't think it'll be going away. I think Morant will keep it pretty close. So this will probably be a two or three game division. But California, I think, will kind of come out in, on top again this season. Yeah, like you said, Buster Posey, Thomas coming in. It's uh, guys that can help and maybe fill that, fill that void a little bit left by players that left in the offseason. But they're the they're the team to beat, definitely, in in the Ricky Henderson. Yeah, they're Yeah, it's been again I, X and George are these big personalities where they had this big battle in George's first season here, and you're really watching that in the Warren Spawn division. Um then obviously I'm gonna pay attention to my own division. But Ricky Henderson is pretty much it's basically always been California, it's felt like. It's just like, okay, yeah, it's, that's who is coming out of the division. Um, the one season when he didn't go above 500, it's like, whoa, that was a bit more of a shock. So, yeah, I think California will probably have this division, not necessarily on lock, but definitely has the front-running chance to win this division. Yeah, besides that that year you're talking in 2021 where finished 74 and 88, uh, has made the playoffs four years, won mm-hmm. a championship. And that was, it could just be the uh, the championship hangover, really. Oh, uh, for sure. Yeah. 
really was felt in California, but -hmm. then bounced right back to another 90 win season. Their third, almost have four finishing with 89 wins in 2019, but yeah, we don't talk about 2019. (laughs) Cause that was what they were 89 and 60 or in 74, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cause we had to play a game 163. Yes. That was no fun. I lost that game. So they, I lost the final game of my season, the first two years to California. So they kind of instantly became a bit of a rival, but that's okay. Um, and, and speaking of teams in the Ken Griffey Jr. Oh, yeah. I mean, that there yeah, we're going there. Oh, man, it's going to be – oh, this division is – it's a wonderful nightmare at times. Um, just a quick rundown on the teams. We've got Estes Park Horns, the only team with two rings. We've got the Las Vegas Jesters, one of the big personalities, but probably one of the stronger, like, low-key strong GMs in the league. We have the Orlando Juice that is just going to haunt everybody's nightmares for the next few seasons, I think. <laughs> and then we've got the Door County Steelheads, my team, up in the little tiny Ithmith that is Door County. But I mean, running from kind of top to bottom from last year, again, how do you improve from 130 wins? I don't think SS Park does this year. I think they take a step back again. Manchester and Assassin City had the two biggest losses in terms of war Estes Park was right just barely in front of Assassin City dropping 13 compared to 13.3 like that is a big part from drop it, trading Harper from Posey going away in free agency from Carpenter going away in free agency from trading Carlos Martinez so lots of players just on the out from Estes Park and they didn't bring in that much that doesn't mean that they don't have a good team. Still, they've still got a very good team. I think they may be a little hard pressed to win a hundred games this year. But Ooh, hot take. Yes, they're still going to be a very good team, and I'm pro- I, My goal is to not get swept by them this whole season. That is the goal. That's going to happen. If it doesn't happen, it's going to be a problem. But yeah, they're they're going to be a very good team again. So not super surprising there. Looking at, we'll skip my team, we'll come to my team last. Looking at Orlando, um, the only word I have for Reed Red is just stop. Just stop. Um, players that they have that are going to be good this year. Can players that they've brought in, Sale, DeGrom, Kluber, Buxton, Goldschmidt. That is so much talent coming in. Um, I'm not looking forward to playing them. It's not going to be fun. I don't expect to do that well against them. And Orlando, just it, they're going to be a very good team. They were threatening to get into the wild card this year, and I think they're going to do more or this last year, and I think they're going to do more this season. They're going to be a very good team, and they just need to stop because I don't see a weakness yet in their game, and it scares me. Um, Las Vegas? Las Vegas really didn't lose much. Again, they brought in 3.3 war overall. They, I mean, they got rid of Buxton, but they've got a still a pretty decent team. And again, he brought in that we can make the joke all we want about him bringing in Andrew Miller for a lot of money and signing the rest of his bullpen to a little bit more money. But he also brought in a couple of starting pitchers. So he's not having to lean entirely on the bullpen. 
And he and Orlando did a lot of business. And I don't know how to feel about that. It's a lot of like in the division trading, but bringing in a lot of like good looking players, um, whether or not Chapman can have a bounce back season could maybe define whether or not he hit 500 again, kind of the divisional goal for the Ken Griffey junior division is to see if we can get all four teams to be above 500. We were so close last year. Jester's finished 80 and 82. It was so close, but Looking at the people that they lost, yeah, it's like the only big one, or there's two big ones, Buxton and Snow, and he had Snow for half a year. So not really a huge loss there in terms of like, okay, you're not feeling too hard done by that. Yeah, the Buxton trade is interesting, but he didn't lose that much overall. So I think the Jesters are probably going to have, they're probably going to be between 78 and 85 wins again. Um, and that leaves my team. And it's, look, again, I don't. this division is a nightmare. It's like, okay, I any other day, bringing in 15 war, leading the league in terms of war coming in, oh, I would feel great about my chances. But Estes Park is, was just so far ahead, and Orlando has taken such big steps that I don't expect to really compete, which kind of stinks. But I'm kind of holding out hope that I'm wrong. I actually end up doing well. But I, Sanchez and Judge hopefully can perform well for me. Um, got a rookie second baseman who developed more than I thought he was going to and is suddenly a above average second baseman. It could be that way for the next six or seven years. And I had no idea that he was going to do that for me. So, okay, that's super surprising, but just this division is a nightmare. It's, it's going to be so much fun to watch and I'm going to enjoy every game. I don't enjoy the fact that I have to go to Estes Park to open the season, but then I get that out of the way, I guess. Um, but I think looking at, pick to win the division um again along the lines of Estes park going to be i think a little hard pressed to win 100 games i'm picking orlando to win the division actually again just looking at that team it scares me more and more and their mascot is also a bit of like nightmare inducing so <laughs> if that can scare a team or two into losing a few games close yeah i think i'm picking orlando to win the division so you're looking at assassin city california and Orlando being the three divisional winners. Now, I think if Jeff doesn't win the division, he's probably going to win the wild card. I don't think Murmansk is good enough to also outpace Estes Park. So Orlando, California, and Assassin City as division winners, Estes Park as the wild card. I still think Door County will probably win 84 games, but it's going to be a struggle like it always is. Yeah, that's one that I think everyone's watching intently is that Ken Griffey Jr. division, just because like we've been saying and like you were just reiterating there is that you have four good teams that can easily finish above 500. A couple things can go wrong and we're eating our words, but you know that's if things go wrong. If things go as planned or go better, these teams, this division is going to be someone coming out of it or two teams coming out of it into the playoffs will be bruised and battered and beaten hobbling into the playoffs because of that final stretch of the season where you're playing one in there, everyone in there. So it'll be interesting, a lot of battling in that division, but four strong teams that we're all looking forward to watching play each other. Yeah, and again, Estes Park, well, maybe Estes Park hasn't come out of 
the division looking too battered with 130 wins, but got through it last year and came out with the title too. So if this long slog does anything, it seems to produce champions, so that's good. Iron sharpens iron. Or whatever that goes. That, the truth, yeah, it's iron. Yep, iron sharpens iron. God, look at me go. All right, seamless transition, insert here. Platinum League. Going to go through it as the GM of the Platinum League, representing, trying to show everyone that the Platinum League can be just as good despite the overwhelming amount of facts we have against that statement. So to the Halifax division, I'm thinking it's looking like it's Philly's division this year. They won it last year and they were really the only team that did a lot this season or this off season. Not, there wasn't a whole lot of action really in the Halifax division. I mean, they Flagstaff shipped off Trout. So there wasn't a whole lot of improvement, I'd say, coming out of that division. But Philly, for the first time, won the division. They've made the playoffs the last four years. But finally, finally, Philly has won the division after sinking dollar after dollar after millions of dollars into their team. and. Last, in 2021, had a 200-plus payroll. They shaved a lot off. Attendance went up, and they were much better last year. Philadelphia, it's looking like it's their division, but before we get through all that, let's talk about Flagstaff. Uh, Flagstaff has been the team just constantly atop the Halifax division, but they really didn't improve their team that much in the off season. They shipped off trout after getting him for half a season last year, weren't able to make that push. But while I say that it's not a bad team, like it's Flagstaff, the grand Canyons are still a good team. Um, they have a great player in Francisco Mejia and he's being paid handsomely for that great play a two-time Silver Slugger, three-time All-Star, uh, an MVP in 2021. It's, it's just wasn't a lot of improvement from the outside. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they have any people coming up this year that can help them. Uh, just looking at their pitching staff right now, maybe hoping from a little bit for a little bit of an improvement from Phil Bickford. Uh, Ryan Deese was decent for them. I don't know why I said that, but we're going to move on. Aren't you just so funny? Oh, look at me go. Uh, Mitchell White and, of course, Blake Snell leading your rotation. I, I, I don't think they did enough to improve after finishing in third place last year. I mean, this was a team that had been in first place three years in a row out of that division um, and then finished in third right back where they were in 
2018, but that's when they were rebuilding and had a payroll of $37 million. That was their entire payroll that year. And then they come out with a 91 season back to back hundred win seasons and then finish in third place because of the Boston breakers an expansion team that entered the division and made a pretty good push there. They make the playoffs. One of just a few expansion teams making the playoffs last season um, and just finishing two games behind Philly. But I think they're trying to build a little bit off of what they did last year. Have a, a couple of big signings. Um, you've got a, a big reliever in Sam Tuiva. Ooh, thought I had it there for a second. Sam Tuivalala? Yes, that one. That Sam. Uh, they bring him to bounce in back a, from an injury, though. Bouncing back from an injury. Not quite the same pitcher he was before. Um, but, you know, coming off, he's, he's got, good, got good bones. But we'll see how that ends up. They also bring in Kenta Maeda uh, just to help kind of bolster that starting rotation a little bit. And then they bring in Matt Carpenter, too. Not big, big names, not huge stars, but solid players. Matt Carpenter, uh, pretty good bat. Coming off a championship with Estes Park. Played 97 games for them. Hit 278 with 13 home runs in 97 games. Only starting in 87 of them. So they don't make a big splash, but they're doing well to kind of bolster all of that. Um, so with Boston, you know, they, they could be making a push there. They finished in second last year. Depends on what kind of Philly team shows up. Cause sometimes they look like they have all of the talent there. And then just Philly happens. Philly going to Philly. But I think Philly wins it again this year. I think Boston and Flagstaff are going to be duking it out for a wild card spot. And uh, be interesting to if is this the start of a Philly dynasty? But uh, maybe. maybe. We'll see. We will see. So that brings us down to the Pete Rose division. And as we talked about earlier, there is a whole lot of offense that has made its way into the Pete Rose division. Talking about Devers, talking about Harper. And it just makes my head hurt thinking about how I have to deal with those players way more than I normally would. Maybe seeing them just a handful of times as opposed to constantly throughout the year. It's I, w- I want to call it the Ken Griffey Jr. division of the PL, but it's more like the store brand. Mm-hmm. It's four relatively competitive teams compared to one another and a common but... theme, but it's not it's not 
you can't compare the two of them. It's again, the store brand. So, you know, it's a similar product, but will it taste as good as that uh, name brand salsa or pasta sauce? Probably not because it's a little bit more watered down. One common theme is that the peachy, ooh, pitching is decent among all of these teams, but it's not really elite. Um, I mean, you have a couple guys that are pretty good, but they just had maybe some good years last year. And I think that's really going to be the deciding factor. You have a lot of pop in most of these lineups, but it's going to take pitching to win. And really it's going to hinge on one or two guys on any of these teams having big years or super bad years. And that changes an entire outlook of a team season. And with this division, it's a, it's a roller coaster ride that I don't enjoy. And you can get a feel for that roller coaster ride just by looking at those graphical standings on the website and just watching those teams bounce up and down off ceilings and floors in these graphs uh, as they slam around and you really don't know who's going to win it until that last month or so there. Up and down and up and down. Yeah. So with that reference of bouncing and a totally unbiased prediction, I think Reno bounces back, but I would not be surprised with literally any outcome of who wins. It's honestly anybody's guess. Um, but as long as it's not Minnesota, I think everyone will be happy. That's for sure. Um, and they have, of of all the teams, I think they have the weakest of the pitching staffs. But who knows? Who really knows? This this game yeah, they, works in mysterious ways. Yeah. Outside of Sam Carlson, I'd be concerned about their starting rotation. But and who knows what happens? Yeah, bullpen. Oh, I'm not saying it's good either, but sprinkled. I think I'd rather have their bullpen. Yeah. But Athens, I mean, taking over the team formerly known as the Toronto Roadrunners, who won the division last year. Who won the league last year. Yeah. They make some sneaky good signings. I mean, they, they bring in Gio Gonzalez and Zach Godley to right now filling in at the one and two position, but you know, Godley finished with a five one four ER ERA in Boston last year. So not coming off a great year. Gio Gonzalez goes from a it's just a, a wild ride for Gio from a six three three ERA in twenty twenty, two nine five ERA in twenty one, and then a four four two ERA in just 25 games with Helsingborg. So a traveling man, it'll just be interesting to see how he handles being back in the Pete Rose division. Interesting stuff that we're keeping an eye on a little bit less to focus on in the Tom Seaver because your eye just keeps getting drawn back to San Mateo and their off season of just bringing in 
the biggest talent of the offseason, but not stopping there. They bring in a lot of good players to go around Trevino. And it'll be with Garrett Cole right now as their sixth starter on here. They bring in Carlos Martinez from Estes Park. It's a really good starting rotation. And it's also getting better from within, too. It's uh, not something that anyone in that division is looking forward to. Um, that's a that's a sick starting rotation that they have, and they have six players that could all be in a five-man rotation. So do they go with a six-man rotation or – what it'll be interesting to see what they do here in the regular season very interesting indeed san diego the san mateo and san diego it's kind of like a two horse race it's san diego had a had a weird season last year because they really had a pretty solid team in my eyes but they finished 79 and 83 10 games back still in second place there really wasn't much difference in these two teams it just didn't translate well on the field and also i mean i guess you have san mateo getting better so that may have hurt that they just didn't improve enough to compete with them but i still think san diego can maybe do a little bounce back of their own they pick up trout so that's going to be a big bat you might, you're going to have a lot of trout trevino battles this year and that'll be fun to watch yeah that'll be going on for a while because he extended trout too i believe yes six years so at least six years of trout trevino duking it out as long as they're not moving teams and uh, and San Diego had a good off season. They add a lot of players, address a lot of concerns, and they are looking to compete. River City, they're still rebuilding. There's a, a GM kind of uh, I don't know what I would call it. I guess it's in it's in limbo. There's two of them. Everyone's kind of a little confused. If but... you've got two GMs, you don't have a GM. I don't know. Right. Um, not a bad team. Not a great team. I don't expect them to make any huge pushes, although they have guys that could be good. This team, it's just a, a matter of, it's not a lot of guys that are proven FCF talents. It's a young, young team. Um, so, you know, young players, they can have good years. And all of a sudden now you're looking at a, at a, at a dark horse in that division. Um, and then you don't really have to worry about Seattle at this point. No, not really at all. Um, I mean, in fairness, River City is going to be losing Jose Altuve and Sean Doolittle after this year. So that's going to, open up a lot of salary before the 2024 season. So it's a good opportunity for them to maybe splash some cash in the coming years. But all of the stuff that you've talked about in the Platinum League, I pretty much agree with. 
Again, I may disagree briefly about whether or not I think you're going to bounce back enough to win the division. But that division is, it's similar again, like you said, in the Ken Griffey Jr. division. It's competitive within itself. But which one will actually kind of rise to the top? We'll have to wait and see. Right. It's it's kind of a crapshoot. And in case it wasn't clear, San Mateo is my pick for the Tom Seaver. I am all in on the Trevino show. All in. So you've got, round out your picks again. For Halifax, you have? I've got Philly. I've got Reno, and I've got San Mateo. Those are my, my picks. I don't, I don't have a wild card at this time for the PL. Fair. Um, Gun to my head, I'm saying San Diego for the wild card. Yeah, again, the worst that they finished in their division is second. So. Right. Just had a weird season last year. Mm-hmm. But they did a lot to address to address the issues that they had last year, and that's, that's what you want to see in an oh, offseason. Sure. All right, so our predictions are in. Everything is set. All we have left to do now is just see how wrong we were as opening day comes around on Sunday. So close. So excited. So close. Got a lot of good GMs this year. A super busy offseason. So this could be a very exciting year just to see how it plays out. Oh, it's going to be so much fun. And with it playing out, it'll be interesting to see how this whole podcast thing plays out. And now that we're going to have a lot of actually in-game action, some season changing, or excuse me, from actual events happening and teams playing and winning games and losing games and seeing how this whole thing evolves along with the 2023 season. So with that, I think next week we're going to do some incredibly bold predictions after just one week of Sims. So just under a month of play and just do some, just some wild, wild takes, not even hot takes, just wild takes like overreactions to everything, which will be fun. And then, of course, the draft class just came out tonight. So we'll do a little preview of this much deeper draft class than we're used to, just potential color-wise, we'll call it that. A lot of blues, a lot of greens before you finally get to some yellow, which has not been the case recently. No, not at all. So that'll be fun to see how those trades start to play out now that the – valuation of picks is starting to set itself and how people will value these picks. Be interesting to see how that happens. Thanks everyone for listening. We appreciate it. Having a lot of fun doing this. Hope you guys are having fun listening to it. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, words of advice, random fun facts, send them our way. We love those. It's always helpful for improvement. All right, everyone stay safe. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. It's not hard.